been so good to us. All throughout our ups and downs, all throughout, God, what we've been going through in this nation, you've been good to us. Every time we've prayed, you've heard us. Every tear we've cried, every time we felt afraid, God, you comforted us. And every time we felt weak, you have given us your strength. Can we just sing that a few more times? You are good. Would you remember God's goodness today with me, saints? You are good. Even during COVID, you are good during financial ups and downs. You are good, God. Even in the turmoil of our city and government, you are good. said about us. fathered filtered and you said it works out for our good in Jesus name if you believe it saints can I hear you say amen bless the Lord all my soul amen you may be seated in the house of God how many believe today God's got a word for you I'm preaching to myself today if you believe it say I'm ready amen open up your Bibles with me to 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 Today I want to talk about perilous times, and I want to thank you for praying for me as I've been asking the Lord, what should I do during this time, to go into a sermon series and pray verse by verse, uh, preach verse by verse through a book of the Bible, or keep dealing with what's happening in our culture, and I felt that the Lord told me to keep preaching about what's going in our culture right now, because we need to have wisdom we need to have understanding. And the Bible says these are perilous times. Everybody say perilous times. Thank you. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible is speaking here. Uh, the Word of God is speaking through the Apostle Paul. And he says, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, Proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Chambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further. 
for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs were also. Some may say their folly will be manifest to all. You know, in the last days, these things are going to happen, Paul said, and their folly should be obvious or manifest to all of us. But how many know there's a sleeping church right now, and a lot of people are not woke to what's really going on? I'm looking around social media, and I'm listening to the messages that my friends as pastors are preaching right now, and they're not preaching about any of those things on the list. What they're doing is they're following the lead of the world and what they call justice and racial reconciliation. But my friends, we have to be more discerning than that. Is there anything wrong with justice? Of course not. The Bible teaches us how to have justice. Is there anything wrong with reconciliation with different cultures? Not at all. We are to be one as Christ is one with the Father. But the problem is these conversations are not being based on the Word of God as our culture knows it. They're being based on secular humanism, on on critical race theory, on things that Marxists and communists and ungodly people have come up with. For example, a part of critical race theory is that there are different races. The Bible doesn't teach that there are different races. The Bible teaches there is one race, the human race. And so we are not to identify with a skin color and consider it our race. We are to identify with the kind of creature we are, a human creature, and identify as the human creation of God made in His image. Right there, we would reject half of all the stuff they would say next because everything they would say next would be based on a foundation that the Bible says is untrue. But has there been cultures or people that look like you or look like me oppressing one another? Has these things happened throughout time and history? Absolutely. The Egyptians conquered their people and enslaved them for a thousand years. The Greeks conquered their people, those of lighter skin, and enslaved them for hundreds of years. And Rome kept it going. Those who looked like the Asian folks and Chinese dynasties enslaved their own people. But do we find in history itself the answer to the enslavement of other cultures? No, because if we go back into history, it seems like everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. So where do we find our answer for human oppression? Not in other humans. We come to God. And God gives us the answer to human oppression. And the answer is found at the foot of the cross where we're all sinners saved by grace. And that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, and to do unto them as we want done unto us. You won't find that in the caste system of India. You won't find that in the Chinese dynasties. You won't find that in the tribalism of Africa or Latin America. You won't find that in the tribalism of European history. You will only find that in the people of God by the book written by God. To love one another and treat your neighbor as yourself. And to forgive your enemies, even those who despitefully use you. And yet we're being told in this time, That the answers to our problems are not found in repenting of sin, but in upheaval of conservatism in a country like the United States of America. They're telling us that the problem is conservatism, not sin. 
that the reason why we're having so many problems right now is because Christians taught you that a family was only when a man and a woman got married and had children and raised them together. They want that to be torn down. They say that's the reason why we see so much trouble in the LGBT community is because you bigoted Christians don't accept our family structure. Now in other states in America, you can have multiple partners and be considered a marriage. Not just a man with a man as they have already done, but now you can have two men and two women and that can be considered a family structure. It's already happening in America. And yet they want to say that we are the problem. Go to Psalms chapter 2. It's not in the notes, but it's right there for you on the screen. Go ahead and look at it in your Bible. Psalm chapter 2 starting in verse 1. The Bible says what it's going to be like in this time. It says, why do the nations rage and pl peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. If you were to ask people today, what is the greatest enemy of progress? They would say Christian belief. They would say Christian belief in morality chains us. They would say Christian belief in God, in government, and us swearing upon a Bible and promising to tell the truth or to pray before Congress meetings or to honor a system of law like the Ten Commandments. These are chains that we must be broken away from. We must have these chains broken off of us. And so that's why you see the upheaval of morality. It's a chain to get pregnant and have to give birth to the child. So abortion without limit should be lawful. You should be able to kill and murder your baby up into the point of birth, lest you be chained to parenthood. Do you see how Christians have ruined their lives, supposedly? We are the enemies. And so when you see a movement like Black Lives Matter, we agree with the statement that black lives do matter and that there should be justice in the police department, justice in housing, justice in finding jobs or being accepted to schools. But Black Lives Matter as a movement wants to upheave the Christian values. And now it's been so hijacked that in a place like Detroit over the weekend, a young man can be being arrested. His friend come to the rescue, start shooting at police officers. The police officers respond and the man dies. And today they're protesting. I mean, how can I have an agreement with you even on the sliver that we once agreed on? Of course, things like George Floyd need to stop. That was someone that should not have died. But now you can see that it was never just about justice because this is clearly, clearly an issue of injustice towards the police officer. If you were there breaking up a fight, would you want a gun pointed at you? There was no abuse of power. There was no even resisting of arrest. It was simply one man being arrested, and the one guy wanted to get his friend, and he shot off his gun. Now Detroit is under siege. How can we establish the things of God in this nation with people with such corrupt minds? We can't even agree on what a family structure is. We can't even agree on what is just and fair. When I watch videos and I see of all the problems in our world, I keep crying out to God, and they keep crying out for God to leave. I'm going to say that again. 
When I see all the problems of this world, I cry out to God as the answer. When they see the problems and the they, it's not just the Black Lives Matter or the Antifa, but it's a system of belief that has crossed all genders, all cultures. They are anti-God. When I see the problems of this world, I cry out to God. When they see it, they cry out for God to leave. They say, let us break God's chains. Let us throw off his shackles. We ought not to fear a sword, as Romans 13 says, as an act of civil uh, justice. We ought not to fear police officers. We ought to be able to juke and dance on their cars. We ought to be able to fire back at them. We ought not to respect the laws of the land. We deserve to have our way. I'm reminded of a discussion at there at the statue that was built by African American slaves in Washington D.C. Here you see an African American leader probably in his 60s. He's standing there giving the historical narrative of why this statue is there. And here you see a young African American female screaming and hollering at him. And yet in the world's mind she won. And yet this man was a bulwark of truth and honor and integrity and dignity explaining himself. And yet he was shouted down by an emotional wreck who had no self-control. Would I approve of this in any culture? No, but I'm going to speak to it as I see it. My family came to America about 100 years ago while, uh, the, between the rest of World War I and World War II. My dad's side all came from Poland. My mom's side all came from Italy. Do you know why they came? Because they didn't like how their countries were. They knew that there was something better over here. Despite all the mistakes, it was better here with these mistakes than over there. And boy, were they right when World War II came and Poland was invaded by Germany and the concentration camps came there and Mussolini, that Italian nut, took over the country with a dictatorship. My grandparents joined the U.S. Army and went back to fight. And they would have gone wherever God had told, uh, the military had told them to do because they wanted to serve God and country. And my Italian grandfather would have killed Italians on the battlefield there if that's where they would have sent him. Just like in the Civil War. Americans killing Americans over slavery. What was going on during that time in Africa? Nobody talks about that study Shaka Zulu. I used to live in New Orleans. The Zulu parade and the Zulu crew, as they call it, crew, C-R-E-W-E, is the French word for gathering together to get a parade. The Zulu crew is the biggest crew among the African Americans. But what was Shaka Zulu doing in the mid-1800s while here white man was killing white man for the slavery to end in America? Shaka Zulu was the most vicious of his people, killing and enslaving the tribes around him. And yet where is his statue being torn down? Where is the name of Zulu being disgraced today? Hey, if you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. We've lost our sense. Sure, I can go and spit on the statue of Alexander the Great on behalf of the Italians when he had taken us over. But then someone from Greece could spit on the statue of a Caesar as they took over the Greeks. 
Sure, we could trace our ancestral heritages and all the times we've enslaved each other. The Native Americans can find the tribes that owned and took over their land. The Aztecs, the Mayans, and the Incas can all ask for reparations from each other. All those in the northern European nations can ask from the other European nations who would always consider them barbaric and take them over. We can go into the Chinese history and see which villages got absorbed into the dynasties and in India where the caste system was developed among their own people or we can go to the cross of Jesus Christ and find true freedom. No one wants to talk about the Cherokees owning African slaves. No one wants to talk about the African slave owners of Africa. Just not too long ago in Kenya, the president of Kenya talked to his own people, and he said, you tribal leaders sold us into slavery, yet there's been no reconciliation from your tribes. Our missionaries worked in Mozambique, and God forbid if one tribal leader became the pastor of the church of another tribe, there would be outbreak in the church. Have you ever watched the movie Hotel Rwanda? Have you ever heard of the drug lords of Colombia? Have you heard of what's going on in Mexico with the poor hijacking and kidnapping the rich? At one point in Mexico, they took over the entire city and all of its police department. Is America without its problems? Of course not. But if we're talking about problems and people, let's put it all on the table. Let's have a buffet of world issues. But what can I say to you here today? This nation, though I wasn't here when it was founded, and our people never owned a slave and never had anything to do with it and was always on the right side of history from the early 1900s we've been here. My grandfather was approached in Tennessee by the Ku Klux Klan, and he said, you can go to hell. I'm not listening to you. My mother, Italian, grew up in Chicago Heights, right there with the African Americans, though the plight was not the same, but the Dagos and the blacks were looked down upon both by the white people of that time. We can all sit here and try to point out where and when every culture went wrong, but I can start with what I know and why I'm here. I'm in the United States of America because this nation was founded upon godly principles. And even though throughout history those godly principles were not always uplifted, as Booker T. Washington said, they're better here than going back there and trying to reestablish them. There was a, after the emancipation of the slaves, there was a return to Africa movement, and Booker T. Washington and Frederick Douglass said, it is better for us to stay here now because of what I have discovered in the Constitution and in the Bill of Rights. We just need to hold them to that standard. And I'm thankful that from that time, Jim Crow and the wicked laws that came, that people like Martin Luther King Jr., rehabilitated America as much as they could at that time to adhere to our principles. And so now when we talk about systematic injustice and racism and so forth, and I talk to people and I say, what do you mean by these things? It's actually not a skin color that they're having an issue with. It's actually a mindset, a worldview that we would call Christian. For example... When I talk to African Americans and I say, what is the plight now that you want, to me, you want me to stand with you in? What is something you want me to stand with you in? They immediately jump to the LGBTQ issues. 
When I was standing out in front of Nini's Deli, they were holding up Trans Lives Matter. But hold on, I thought it was about Black Lives Mattering. And then I began to ask them online, why is this? And they say, well, we're sticking together. No, what's happened is it's been hijacked. Because now when I talk to the African Americans or the black people in our church and I say, where is the systematic racism I'm supposed to fight with you on? You say more than systematic racism. We have a problem with the black father being absent from the family. We have a problem with our children not wanting to go to school but following sports and entertainers. And we have an issue with the black church that's backslidden. And to that I say amen. But when I say that to the Black Lives Matter movement, African Americans, they say that's not enough. Now I say, hold on, I'm just a white guy torn between two black voices. Am I supposed to listen to the one that says, let us put the black father back into the house. Let us put Christian education back into the home and let's build up the communities through the church. Or am I supposed to listen to you to defund the police, take the father out of the home and promote lesbianism and homosexuality and to promote abortion, the genocide of your own people? Well, I go to the Word of God as we would in any situation to settle it. And where does the Word of God land? The Word of God lands that the fathers are the issue, that the family is broken. Can I get an amen? And that we need to have the family built back up and education needs to start in the home and the church needs to lead the way. And we need not to kill our black babies, but we need to raise them and to teach them in the ways of God. And if there's anyone listening to me, and if there's anyone listening to me now that is considering abortion, we will adopt your child. We will adopt your black baby. The very one you say you want to murder, we will care for. In our church, we participate in the foster care program, in a Christian program, and we also do adoption. One of our families here had an African-American child they were taking care of. During this time, they put up a picture of them and their family and basically said, how can you call me a racist when I've given my life to taking care of unwanted black children? Instead of there being an amen, instead of there being a reconciliation because of those who were hating on his page, they actually then called up Child Protective Services and wanted that child removed from that family. Is it really about black lives? I've been in the inner city my entire life, not saying that's only where black lives are found, but I have been in New Orleans in nine different housing projects, preached and pastored in almost all African-American church for four and a half years, have adopted the Ohio Park block here, have had them a part of my life, consider me as fathers. Even one yesterday was preaching at the abortion clinic and said, I consider this man to be like a father to me, and God used me to help my mother not have an abortion. Now I have a younger sister. That was just an amazing and story of grace, and yet I can do all of that and still be considered a racist because I don't share their values of Marxism. No, if it was about black lives mattering, then why doesn't the black lives I've been in fellowship with matter? Why doesn't my pastor, who I sat under and never thought of any of any different for the first four and a half years that I was talking to you about, as I was a pastor in the black community, Pastor Thomas Gross, who's preaching today on God and race, and I would encourage you to check it out. I'll be sharing it on the underground page. He was my pastor as a black man, and we never, listen, we never had one conversation about him being black and me being white. Never. He was my bishop. He was my overseer. He was the one that looked at my reports. My white behind was responsible to him, and we never had one conversation about it. 
Why? Because I knew he was in charge and I would serve him as I would Christ, but yet somehow that's not good enough. And yet his family marched with King. He grew up during the time of white fountains and, uh, you know, white only fountains, and he is more conservative than I am, and he's preaching on it today, and yet he's called a coon in a cellar. But I thought it was about listening to people of color. No, it's wanting to listen to people who want to throw off the chains and shackles of God. And that's why today, if you understand the founding of the Black Lives Matter movement, all three are women. One is a lesbian, or two are lesbian, another one's a Muslim. And so now today, we are following the lead in the church of Louis Farrakhan, Oprah Winfrey, instead of Peter, James, and John. I'm seeing Christians sharing Louis Farrakhan because that's the same hatred now they've adopted. When you used to watch Louis Farrakhan on Donahue or some show like that, you would gasp. But now he's having to catch up to the wild claims that are being made today. Is it just a skin color? No, but they're going to use a skin color. And let me just talk to all my brown folks here. They're coming for you next. Get ready for an immigration scandal. I don't have to be a prophet to, to get that to you. Get ready for an immigration scandal. Get ready for children in cages. Get ready for a 10,000 border issue as they come from South America again. I can just tell you they won't leave it alone. It's election year, and they want us all to fight over politics, and they want us to forget that the, polit uh, the political Trojan horse is really sneaking in the end-time devil's agenda. Why? Let's just think about it. You don't ever have to vote for Trump. That's fine. But listen to me. If Hillary Clinton, if people like her get, a, get elected, or Joe Biden, will you have more Christian rights or less Christian rights? Come on. Will they promote homosexuality more or less in the government, more or less in the university? Right now, as I am preaching, it's illegal, illegal in Canada. If you preach against homosexuality, just that alone is considered hate speech. If you go on the streets, you can be arrested. In London and in England as well. But is that all that the devil has in mind for us? No. The devil wants us to see God as our slave master and him as our loving savior. And that what God is doing is taking us away from the things that bring us joy. And he's going to bring us closer to joy. But I want everyone to think about this. Is that really the devil's agenda? No, he's lying to us. Because what he wants to do is steal, kill, and destroy. Go back to the notes, please. And let's go through the list of everything we read. It sounds almost like I'm being a bigot right now just by reading the list. Paul said this is what would happen in the end times. And not only is it wrong, the Bible says, and this is why God brings judgment, but it's love among the people lovers of themselves when you watch reality shows like the Kardashian the real housewives of whatever city what do you see lovers of self lovers of self lovers of money worshiping now we don't have kings and queens we have sports and entertainers sports stars and entertainers we see how they waste their money we see how they boast how they take it from us and then they rub it in our faces Lovers of money, boasters. Have you ever seen a group of people, then the American or this culture that is so boastful, so proud, so unwilling to humble themselves, blasphemers, taking the name of the Lord in vain, no apology, 
But why not take Hitler's name in vain? Why does our precious Lord and Savior need his name in vain? Why is it you don't put that in your joke or on your talk show and say his name or some other crazy person? Why? Because taking the name in vain pleases Satan. Taking the name of Jesus in vain pleases Satan disobedient to parents when you look at all of these movements just like the ones that came to Cuba with Che Guevara and uh, Fidel Castro they start with the young people revolution and then they come into the villages or the towns and they kill off the old people they kill off the landowners and then look what happens to Cuba look what happens to Venezuela look what happens to the people of China look what happened to Germany when the young people believed that Hitler was a god You see, all you do is make an enemy and gather up hatred towards them. The Nazis made two clear enemies, the Jewish people and the communists. If we can get rid of the Jews and if we can get rid of the communists, we as the fascists will take over the world. Of course, he hated capitalism in America and all of those things. But how he riled up his people is he said, don't you agree that the Jews are our problem? Is it any wonder in our nation right now they can all gather together on one true hate? They hate the Christian. We can be out preaching. There can be a Muslim. There can be a Sikh. There can be a homosexual. There can be a Buddhist. And within five minutes, they'll all be in agreement in one crowd shouting at us, Hate monger! Get rid of them! They literally have people like Linda Sassor and other Muslims leading movements or in Congress, and they are convincing people that they are standing for women's rights when Muslims did not even allow women to drive in Saudi Arabia until this last decade. And it's still lawful in Islam to beat a woman as a husband. You can have up to four wives, own sex slaves. This is not conspiracy. It's in the Quran. And, and on top of all of that, You can kill her if she disavows Allah. Christians in Muslim countries most of the time have to go into hiding. One of my missionaries, uh, missionary friends, was a missionary in Sudan. The woman, uh, the young lady became a Christian. She was discovered at the times of prayer. She was not bowing down. They asked her why. She did not deny Christ. And then she was beaten almost to death by her brothers, locked in a closet to die. She then escaped by God's grace and now is serving Jesus. But you see, there are many nations where you serving Jesus does not make your family happy. It actually can get you killed. Islam is one of them. And here is the problem. Now in America, we're looking at Christians the same way they are. Christians are the problem. That's why if you listen to an African-American talk to a Black Lives Matter person, the Black Lives Matter person will be white calling the, the black Christian a coon and a sellout, and no other black people will get upset with it. Why? Because we all agree it's good to curse out the Christian. We had it happen in our own ministry. A white woman called a black man a coon, and, the, and, the, and there was no, and that was at a Black Lives Matter rally against us, and there was no repercussion to that white woman. Say that anywhere else, white woman, and see how it goes for you. But it's okay because it's really not about culture. It's really about religion or Christian values, we should say. And if you have Christian values, what will they do? They will come against you and be disobedient to parents. Though most of us have been raised Christian, now Christian is looked at worse 
than being lesbian, gay, homosexual, transgender. Literally, everybody get this, literally in public schools right now, they can have a person come and drag and read a story to your children, but I can't come and read a Bible story. Think about that, unthankful. I've never seen a generation of people more unthankful why are we in this nation? Why are people still trying to come into this nation? Why do we even need border security? Do you think North Korea needs border security of people coming in? No, they need border security so people don't come out. So many of these nations have border security so you don't leave. And yet America, despite all of this, still people want to come. And yet our nation is so unthankful, so unthankful for the opportunities that we have and the things that we've been given that it's a shame now to be successful. See, Marxism teaches that we all have to suffer and have all nothing, and that supposedly if we all have nothing, then we'll all work hard to get something. But it's funny how when the something start coming, it never goes to all, it only goes to a few. How did that work out in Cuba? How did that work out now in these other nations? It's not working out very well. And so right now, we should just earn our keep. We should work hard and be successful. How many know you can sell on Amazon and nobody knows your color or your gender? That's the number one store in the world right now. Why aren't we taking advantage of this system and making more money? How many know right now that you're actually applauded if you disagree with mainstream Christianity so those in the world actually have a privilege over us because we're the ones losing our jobs? Have you ever heard of a pro-African losing their job? But I've heard of a pro-Christian losing their job. Have you ever heard of a pro-LGBT person losing their job? But I've heard of a pro-Christian losing their job. Are you listening? They came out of the closet to push us into the closet, and they're still not thankful. It's not enough until they have world dictatorship. You say, Pastor, that's too much. No, it is world dictatorship because the spirit that they're listening to is of the devil, and the devil wants world dictatorship. The world wants to, uh, the devil wants control of the world. And who is the number one people group that will stand against the devil? Christians. So, why do you think we're the most hated people group in all of the world? Who are the most hated people group in North Korea? Christians. Why? We'll never bow to the emperor. Why, were, why are we the most hated group in the Islamic nations like Syria, Afghanistan, Pakistan? Why are we the most hated group? Because we speak against the prophet and we have the truth. Why are we the most hated group in China? Why are today, still to this day, Chinese churches being destroyed? Just look it up. Chinese churches being destroyed. Chinese pastors are in jail right now as we speak. This bracelet reminds me to pray for them. We'll give them to you for free. Why are we the most hated in China right now? Why are we the most hated in Indonesia right now? Why are we the most hated in those other nations? It's because the Christian voice is the only voice to stand against all of the isms of the world. Communism, Islam socialism and now in America they want me to shut up and they want you to find another church why because they don't want you to be thankful for freedom of religion and for the freedom to gather and to believe in the things of God unholy have you ever seen a generation be more unholy the perversion right now porn is the number one thing used on the internet pornography now is on mainstream TV Nudity, unholiness, legal drug addiction. The next thing, unloving, unforgiving. There's a man who was 11 years old and he was a part of a murder of another child. 
But thankfully in jail, he became a Christian. And now as an adult, he's been released. And now he goes around preaching. You should read the comments on his page. They are so unloving towards him, so unforgiving. They bring up his past every time he talks about heaven or hell. But I know they wouldn't do that if he was a cross-gender drag queen. They hold everything in his past against him because he's a Christian. When our Christian business owner stood up and said, all black lives matter, especially the unborn, so I support the black lives mattering movement only as so much as it stands with my Christian values, but I can't support it when it comes to homosexuality or defunding of the police. They lost their mind. They dug back into his past and brought out his homosexuality, and then they're supposed to be the inclusive, diverse ones, but they shamed him with these dirty, filthy pictures and texts. Right now, you can go online and you can see about the movement of former homosexuals, lesbians, bisexuals, and transgenders, and you can, le- you can read the comments under those posts. See, they can't have a voice. They can't be forgiven. And if they're not going to uh, uh, adhere to the agenda of the world, then it's better for them to be cast aside and to be shut up. Have you noticed that's how the world's working right now? slanderers. Not only will they speak bad about me, they'll speak against you. When, when we were getting persecuted, people called us racist and all of these things, and yet I have never been accused of that in my entire life, and yet still some people left our church while we were being accused racist, and now more African Americans are coming to the church. But why did they leave? They left because they couldn't stand against the slander. And if that's all that it takes is for you to leave a church because the church is slandered, then why would you stick with Jesus? Because he was called a drunkard and a wine bibber and was crucified for inciting a riot or supposedly being a king. You don't crucify somebody you love. They had to slander him to put him up there. They had to slander Paul to get him arrested. They had to slander all of our disciples. What are you going to do when they say it about you? All of our messages are online. What are you going to do when they bring this to your boss on your job and say, is this what you believe? This is the church you tagged yourself in? That's why we say be careful what you tag yourself in here because people are are loving to slander us without self-control. Follow us on the underground page where we put a lot of our beliefs out there and it's easier to remain anonymous, but you can do the same thing here with the church as long as you don't like or share anything. But I think it's about time we come out of the closet. Amen. But I shared on the underground page how out of control this generation is. You see, when we were being persecuted for COVID, we used the, the strategies of King. I have read Martin Luther King in passful, uh, a peaceful passive resistance and the principles of that. And yet now that is looked down upon. I saw one African-American woman holding up a sign that said, we're not our ancestors. We'll F you up. But I put on the underground page, uh, underground page a young African-American man during the time of Selma, I believe. And he was talking to the chief of police. And he stood his ground in perfect control. And he spoke to that man and brought his arguments to nothing. He demolished his points. And he was able to show for whoever was listening that the fool was on the other end of the conversation. And as the racist white southerner lost his temper and came out with more buffoonery, it was more obvious to anyone listening that was the person at fault. 
And yet now it's switched. It's more, it, the more out of control you are, the better you are. I have a video clip of one person just yelling at another person in our, one of our meetings there uh, on the streets, and they're just yelling at one of our guys, and everybody's saying, boy, he got him. He's shook now. Look at him. And then when the guy's done, we're all standing there going, can we talk now? Are you going to listen to, no, I'm done. No, I'm done. But everybody thought he sure gave it. That's the way of a coward. The way of a coward. They drive by us. They flick us off. When we're out there preaching, these people flick us off and then they say, you don't know what it's like to be a person, a white person will say, you don't know what it's like to be a person of color as we're preaching in front of the abortion clinic. You don't know. There's a lot of poor people of color that need this. And then we'll bring up a sister who came from a poor background as a person of color and then they'll flick her off. (laughs) White woman, you don't know what you talk about. But yet they want a voice and they want to be out of control. And then when they cannot usurp their control over you, when they're out of control, then they'll make threats. Watch it. We have a live video from yesterday. Watch it. We'll be there preaching. They'll come out to us out of control, screaming and hollering. We'll stand there and what? Let's keep talking now rationally. And then they'll start threatening. That is just like the devil because the devil's brutal. I saw a picture the other day on one of our uh, uh, friend's posts as he was preaching against abortion, a doctor's hand, which you could see with the, the doctor's gloves, holding a fetus that was bloodied, and the post, uh, the meme said on the hand, this is not a human, and if you can't get over it, F you. Brutal. Brutal. Right now, you can kill children at the same age they can live outside of the womb. They have heartbeats within a few weeks. They have their own DNA. And yet the world, with the spirit of murder, is defending their murder because they are brutal. And yet they'll look at us and say, we are the hate mongers. We are the bigots. But they do that to justify themselves. Just imagine living in the time of Hitler's Germany. You're the one standing up for the Jews. And yet you're considered the bigot. I said to the people yesterday, if this was Auschwitz or if this was a gas chamber during the time of Germany, we would be the heroes and you would be the villains. If this was a slave market, we would be the heroes, you would be the villains. If this was a sex trafficking ring, we would be the heroes and you would be the villains. And yet they don't see it. At the time when we have the most science You can, I mean, how many of you have been pregnant here before women or men with your families? How many of you know we have ultrasound of every single stage of life, and is it not a miracle? And yet we're so brutal. We'll abort our own children and defend it unto death. They get so angry about it, despisers of good. In one of our conversations... Somebody was saying as I was preaching about the world as it is and with all the problems, somebody said, well, why don't you do something about that in Africa? Why don't you do something about that over there? And one of our missionaries who will be with us again at the end of this month, Nicole's, chimed in and said, we have worked in the, in the orphanages of Mozambique and we have worked in the orphanages of South Africa the last 15 years. What was their response? What did this Latina woman say to that white woman missionary? You are a white imperialist missionary haters of good 
But yet all of the black Africans love them like family. And yet somebody who's never spent one night in Africa is now with her privilege going to judge these white missionaries. We then show them Vodi Bakum, the man, the myth, the legend, the powerhouse African-American preacher who is now a, a, a school principal and dean of a seminary in Africa. And then their argument is, well, he's just a coon anyway. We show them the black missionary. We show them the white missionary. They despise it. Why? Because it's Christian mission work. They say all you do is care about the children in the womb. You don't care about them outside the womb. And we say, how about all the Christian programs? Head Start has about four locations, millions of dollars being poured into after-school programs. How about all of our after-school programs and laptop giveaways and all of the tutoring and things that we do? How about all the Christian orphanages and hospitals that have been developed here and around the world? It doesn't count. It doesn't count. Oh, why doesn't the mission movement count? Why doesn't by the hand count? Why doesn't my pastor doing a foster care count? Why doesn't it count with all of the people I've brought into my life of different colors and nationalities? Why doesn't it count? Because they despise the good. Because, Joe, when you went to the Calio Projects, you didn't teach them how to march and tear down a, a, a statue you gave them Jesus. That wasn't enough. We don't affirm your work in the black community. Well, what about all the mamas who love me? What about all the children who have grown up and have me as a part of their family? They don't count because they don't know anything. They're not woke. That's the world we're living in. Traitors. See, people are going to betray each other. In Nazi Germany, they got the children to tell on their parents. Tell us, tell us, tell us which one of your parents aren't saluting. Tell us which ones aren't putting up the pictures of the Fuhrer. Tell us. Here in our schools, they're doing the same things. Tell us if your parents don't approve of your transgender assignment. We'll keep it secret and do drastic surgery on you without your parents even knowing. Tell us about your church, if it's one of those churches that preach against this, because then we'll file charges against them as a hate crime. We've even had people leave this church, and when the world was bashing us, some of the people here even noticed it. Seems like some of these folks know you awfully well. Yeah, because they were once part of our church, loved their sin, and now they just want to tell every little dirty nook and cranny they can. And I'm glad there was nothing to find except a bunch of gossip. Isn't it something that once people cannot accept your path in life, that they have to now betray you? Why is it we as Christians can always say to them, we love you, we forgive you, we're here for you. You've been out there with us on the streets. You're new, Michelle, you're there, right? We love them, but yet they'll betray us. They'll lie about us. They'll set us up to fail. They'll get trick questions for us to try to get us to say something we didn't say. The one famous line that they took from one of our preachers was, Black Lives Matter has killed more than the KKK, but they didn't let him finish. He was talking about abortion by Black Lives Matter uh, coming in agreement with abortion. They are responsible for more deaths in the black community than the KKK. That's been said by black people, and he is married to an Afro-Latino, but it didn't matter. They betrayed his speech, and then the people who read that or saw that said, that's enough for me to betray him, even though they knew that. That man was not a racist. Isn't it sad when traitors can get you to betray those you know and love? The Bible says they're going to do that. But take heart. 
God is with us. The good news is coming. Headstrong and haughty, proud. Look at the next one. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Some of you are probably praying. I'll go to a book of the Bible now and just go verse by verse. But I felt the Lord tell me to keep preaching about what's going on in the culture. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. You see, these kind of people will often look to religion. Will Smith said, we need people who love God and love their neighbor. And then he's saying that as he's defending the affair and all of the wickedness in their marriage and relationship. But underneath the post, he had to clarify, I'm not talking about church. I'm just talking about loving God. Of course you are. Because that's what Oprah taught you. That's what Ellen taught you. That's what the world taught you, Will, is that you can have God without his Bible and that you can do it any way you want as long as you say, God loves me. Well, there's a lot of people who think God loves them when they do wicked stuff. Why is yours any different? You see, it's the Christian who says it's not the form of godliness that counts. It's having its true power. And that's why in our church we have former lesbians and homosexuals and transgender or those who were cross-dressing and thinking they were uh, you know, the wrong gender in the body. And we talk about how the power of God set them free. Because they don't just have religion. That's why I can come comfortable wearing shorts. We're not trying to be religious here. We're teaching what Jesus taught. It says they creep into households and make captive gullible women. Now, this doesn't mean women are always gullible, but it says there's a certain kind of person they look for that are gullible women weighed down by their sins. I look back to the Black Lives Matter. All of these women weighed down by their sins, and they found a way out through that agenda. I look through the homosexual movement. I look through all of the women who have tried to assert their power and their voice. Nothing wrong with powerful women. I have a powerful woman in my life. Are you listening to me? There are some here even right now. But the Bible says these kind are gullible because they're weighed down by sins. And I see how the corruption has come. Why? Because the men haven't stood up. Think about that. Still the number one problem in the black community is the father and the Black Lives Matter movement is led by women. It still has not even got to the root of the issue. The number one problem today in the church is a failure of masculinity. Joel Osteen does not preach masculine. T.D. Jakes does not preach masculine. Stephen Ferguson do not preach masculine. These men preach to women. Now, as a man, I can preach masculine to a woman and cause you to want to be strong and to cause you to have courage, but it is not my job to preach to you as a woman from from femininity. I am to preach to you as a man and to inspire you to be a strong woman. Do you see the difference? And these men, these religious leaders, they preach to women with women who are gullible and their emotions. And men can be just as guilty, don't get me wrong. But it is a feminine word. You're going to make it. Your breakthrough is coming. You know, let me just spiritually massage you. I'm going to molest you and make you feel special right now as I take from you. It's a feminine spirit of preaching. It's not like David. It's not like the apostles. It doesn't speak to the heart and mind. It doesn't even speak to the heart, really. And it speaks to your fragile, gullible emotions. I've seen so many men act in this way. And the Bible calls them effeminate. Now I know that we have worn knickers before, which the preachers would have underneath their their short kind of poofy thing, and they would be tight and all of that. But I do have to mention that these tight pant-wearing preachers have lost their cojones. 
I just must say it because I don't see masculinity anymore. And I think it's related to their pants. <laughs> Half kid. But why? Why is it now so cool to be effeminate? There's actually now a movement against this. You see the black Hebrew Israelites, they curse this in the name of Jesus. And I agree with them, but the answer isn't now trying to speak language of violence or, like, or be like the Black Panthers or the KKK or to somehow enrage, you know, incite people. No, we need to preach and teach the Word of God, but we need to get away from this effeminate gospel that's all about emotions. This should motivate the men of this church to get out and lead, and the women should want to get out and lead and be strong in Christ. This is a gospel that will have you do something something for Jesus, not come and get you more of the conference. It says they're always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We're always taking in information. We got all this information. I learn a lot, even from people I disagree with. I'm like, okay, I get you. I'm learning. Man, there's something interesting there. But they're never coming to the truth. You know, I listen to these shows all the time that come on Facebook, and they tell me the history of this or the history of that. And I'm like, man, that's amazing. But here's the thing. I don't find my freedom in going back to my past. I don't need to go back to Mussolini's Italy and all of that. I need to come to Jesus, who he said he's the way, the truth, and the life. That's how I find freedom. And somebody might say, well, that's just easy because you're white and privileged. Listen to me. It, it will happen for you because we're all privileged by God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And I grew up among preachers of all kinds of colors and ethnic backgrounds. My spiritual mama is from Ghana, South America, and she started a church as a woman and that was against the rules back then, but she was a powerful preacher then and is a powerful preacher now. She's in her mid-70s, and my wife is a witness because I met her in Bible college and served with her, and she taught me so much. Her name is Joanne Miller. And when my wife met her for the first time, and I was introducing my wife to Sister Miller, and I was so excited, I couldn't stop crying because I was so emotional of how she's had an impact in my life. But it's because she preached the Word of God to me. She exemplified holiness. She taught a gospel that could do all things through Christ who strengthened her. She taught a gospel that was greater than he that's in her than he that's in the world. She called a gospel that she could do all things through Christ who strengthens her. And it didn't matter our color or our different backgrounds or where she was from in her upbringing. I wanted the God that she served to be inside of me. And she motivated me to get something from the Holy Ghost that white privilege, white suburbia could never get to me because while my friends were committing suicide she was teaching me how to preach and while my wife friends were getting locked up for selling coke she was teaching me how to go out and win souls and make disciples so yeah there may be a thing called privilege we got to do with deal with that's right but I'll tell you the greatest privilege is to be a child of God to be adopted into the family of God and the reason lastly why they don't get it and why they're getting swept up into it is because they're of corrupt minds. So while the church is supposed to be waving their hands going, watch out, all of these things are happening. This is not hate speech. This is love speech. We don't want you to go down the path of destruction. Paul said these would be signs of the end times. The bridge is out. Stop. Instead of them saying, I'll listen, they corrupt their mind. 
and allow it to be deceived because deception happens only by the choice of the will. And then they join with it. And now, instead of being a part of the answer, now they're part of the problem. And if you look at the history of the church, it's always been that way. Outside influences came in. You look at the history of the Roman Catholic Church. Where did the candles come from? Well, the pagans have candles, and we want them to come to church, so grab some candles. Where did the statues come from? Well, they have statues of their leaders. Now we'll call this statue Peter. Where did all of their imagery come from? Where did all of their dress-up come from? Sure, they could try to force it into a Bible verse, but that really wasn't their motivation. The Roman Catholic Church was indoctrinated by Rome and then became sacrosanct with it. They became one with it and then stamped on it Christianity. That's why today you can do that stuff in the Latin American culture or the Jamaican culture, Santeria. Add a little bit of your voodoo in with this. I was renting a church in New Orleans, baby, and they said, we got a church upstairs. You want to come see it? I said, sure. That church freaked me out. I saw all kinds of things there in that upstairs church that I have never seen before. It was Santeria, but they called it a church. They had a picture of a Jesus But what they were doing was not Christianity. It's been done before and it will be done again. What was the white slave owner? Nothing more than a bigoted, hateful person that wanted to stamp Christianity on something. Why? Because if I can own a slave and then have the power over them by telling them they're not equal with me, then I can do more for myself. I was going to preach on this one time, but the Lord directed me a different ways. Ten shekels and a shirt. We will adopt... As sinners, whatever ideology we want, that benefits us at the time. White slave owners did it to own a black person. Well, the Bible says, love your neighbor as as yourself. That's not my neighbor. That's not a person. You see, now they have a justification. Same thing in India. Don't help the poor. Why? We should help the poor. Karma, the poor person suffering from their past life. Let them endure it. They'll come back better. That's why Mother Teresa had to go there and help their own people. We'll adopt any worldview that makes us feel better in our sin. But Christianity destroys it. See, we don't have corrupt minds. They say, you've been brainwashed. You're right. I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. My mind's been open to the things of God. I can now see the truth. I once was blind, but now I see. Go to the next passage of Scripture. We've got to get woke. Somebody say, get woke. Go all the way down to chapter 4 there. Don't have time for that. I wish I did, though. I'll keep you here till 2 in the afternoon. Look at chapter 4 of the same chapter, of the same book. Look what Paul says. He told us about these perilous times. Now he tells us in the presence of God, it's time to be prepared to preach. So what's the answer for perilous times? The presence of God and preachers who are prepared. That's the good news, is that you and I are supposed to be in the presence of God, prepared to preach. Are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. I want to be in his presence, and I want to be prepared. He said, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in viewing of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. What do the majority of preachers want to preach today? Encourage, encourage, and encourage. 
We would have 10 times more people here if all I did was encourage, encourage, encourage. But there are things I've got to correct. There are things I've got to rebuke. And there are things I've got to encourage. I can't just start with the dessert. I've got to give you the appetizer and the main meal, baby. I've got to give you a full meal. You've got to have your dietary supplement here today. You've got to do that for yourself. Because God is going to judge why didn't Jesus cut out all that judgment in his, in his messages like some of these preachers do? For God so loved the world, Jesus talking, that he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. Why didn't he cut out the other part? I just did. I'm smart. I'm smarter than Jesus. God forbid. Why did he say it like this? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Why? Judgment. Judgment. He who is without sin, cast the first stone. Where are your accusers? There are none, my Lord. Go in peace. Why didn't he end it with the woman caught in adultery? Go in peace. I'm pretty smart. I figured it out. Am I smarter than Jesus? Why did Jesus say to the woman caught in adultery after he asked her where, his, where her accusers were? He said, go and sin no more. Oh, Jesus loves everybody. That's right. Too much to let them stay that way. Let them change you, rearrange you, and get you to go sin no more. He didn't say, baby, I got a way for you to keep tricking and go to heaven. He said, I got a way for you to be a trick no more, to be a prostitute no more, to be selling that booty no more. I got a way for you to become a housewife and a mother and to become a woman of God. Go in sin no more. Why is it when he talked about the wide path or the narrow path, why did he have to talk about the wide path? Why didn't he just say, go through the narrow gate and find pasture as a good old sheep because I just love you. Gucci, gucci, goo. I'll see you in heaven. Why did he say, beware, beware of the other gate, the wide gate? Because that is a gate that leads to destruction and many are on that path. Why is it when he taught us not to fear, he didn't just say, listen, don't be afraid of those who cannot kill the body. And just move on and talk about something else. Why did he say after that, do not be afraid of those who can only kill the body, but fear the one who can destroy your body and your soul in hell. Because he talked about judgment. He talked about these things in a way that came from a heart of care. Paul said, remember that. God is going to judge the living and the dead. We're not here because we're better than those on that list that came in the chapter before. We are here because God has saved us. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, we would still be on that list because how many know we used to be on that list? We would check off many things on that list. Treacherous, greedy, perverted, unloving, unholy, lover of pleasure. And yet God saved us. He saved us by his blood because he loved us. And he loves those who are there now. So we are in perilous times, but in the presence of God, we are to be prepared to preach. Verse 3, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine they won't read that list to you. They won't give you examples of that list. But instead, they will get a great number, a small number, 
No, a great number. Somebody say a great number. Come on, if I was going to give you money, would you want a small number of money or a great number of money? A dollar bills or a hundred bills, dollar bills. Come on, small number or a great number? Great number. He says there's going to be a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears from the truth and turn aside to miss. I've heard people say this all the time. My God won't judge the homosexual based on their sin. My God will not judge me because I'm sleeping with someone I'm not married to. My God will not judge me based on doing drugs or partying. My God will not judge me by putting my job and my family first. My God won't do that. And I say right back to them, amen. You're right your God won't do that. You want to know why? Because your God doesn't exist. Your God's a myth. Your God's in the same place the tooth fairy is with Santa Claus. But the God of the Bible will judge you according to those sins. And he will judge me because I'm a part of the judgment. He said they will turn to these myths. And it breaks my heart to see if we were to wrap all this up together from the the problems in our streets to the problems in our our businesses. And I know there are many to, uh, you know, the the corruption of our politics to all the things going on in this land. And I don't think there's anybody in this city who has preached more against the sin of America than myself. But listen to me. With all of that going on right now, we have a choice to either turn to God or turn to the truth. I'm going to turn to the truth. So when people say, well, what's the solution to homosexuality? Jesus. What's the solution to unwanted attractions towards, you know, someone you're not married to? Jesus. But I'm going to do it with careful instruction and great patience. You see, I'm not going to tell the homosexual the moment you get saved, you'll never be tempted with homosexuality again. Because I'm not telling the man who's tempted with porn, he'll never get tempted with porn again. See, I'm going to carefully instruct them. I'm going to say, this is how it works. You have a flesh. And your flesh has patterns and desires. And that flesh will be with you until it dies. But your spirit is made new. Jesus said the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. Learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. Learn how to follow the Holy Spirit. Be patient and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And daily take up your cross and die to your flesh. How many believe that works? And then if they get tempted and should sin, God can forgive them as they confess their sin, not to find an excuse to live in their sin, but they can be free from their sin. You see, that's the truth. But see, the Bible says many will turn away from that so that they can just keep on sinning because my Jesus loves me. He's going to bring me to heaven. I know I'm going. That's a myth. Vinny, would you come, please? But he ends with this. Keep your head in all situations. If I missed a situation today, please write me at info at mpichurch.org and let Pastor Lauren know what I missed. She'll give it to me, and if it's sassy, she'll remove all the sass. But I'm trying to hit on every situation. Did I preach against white sin, brown sin, yellow sin, black sin? Yeah, I'm preaching against all sin. When when I see it, I call it as it is. Why? Because I want to keep my head in all situations. Police brutality, what is it? Sin, haughtiness, brutal. Gang violence, what is it? Brutal, haughtiness, right? A lot of similarities between what the gangs do and what corrupt police do, right? A lot of the same roots because they bear the same fruit. It's haughtiness, it's brutality, it's having power over someone. Okay, perversion. Man sleeping with someone that's not his wife, perverted. Man sleeping with another woman while he's married, perverted. Man sleeping with another man, perverted. Woman sleeping, you know, come on. 
What situation are we skipping over today? I hope you don't think I'm skipping over any intentionally if I did. Corruption of our nation, corruption of this nation, corruption of that. Okay, it's all sin. It's all wickedness. Joe, where do, where do the Christian slave owners of the South go? To hell. And if they would have been alive during the time of Moses, they would have been stoned. Moses was clear, you don't steal people. Paul was clear that man-stealers have no place in the kingdom of God. Is that clear? But where do homosexuals go without Christ? Hell! He said that is an abomination. You could also get stoned for that. You could also get stoned for rebelling against your parents, young people. How many are glad we're not stoning you but bringing you to church? People died who touched the Ark of the Covenant. How much does holiness matter to our God? Don't touch it or you die. That's how much it matters. Sometimes people say it's just a little bit of sin. Dr. Michael Brown preaches a message based off of the Hebrew word aharit. And the Hebrew word aharit means regret. And it comes out of Proverbs that when you see it, after it's already been done, you'll have the aharit, you'll have the regret. And he tells stories in his message about even preachers who said, just one more taste of sin, just one more taste of sin. I can think of one even right now in New York. I'm just going to go to this hotel, snort some coke, get a prostitute, one last taste of sin, died of a drug overdose. Preachers will go to hell if they turn away from God. Are you listening? Don't turn away from the truth. Sin is deceitful. Don't you remember the story of the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve were perfect. Had a perfect relationship with God. And check this out. Had a perfect marriage. <laughs> How many would like that? Come on, baby. We working towards it in Jesus' name. And yet when they sinned, did God say, well, you've done everything else perfect. Let me just, just wash this away real quick and just get rid of it. No, because the only way that could have been done is by the blood of the Lamb. They just... They, they, they just broke a covenant. There's no way to repair a covenant without blood. And their covenant was made with God. So that means God would have to be the sacrifice. Now God had a choice, and it's God's choice. I don't know God's mind beyond this. What the scripture tells me is the revelation of his mind. He could have made a sacrifice for them, died on the cross, and did it just for them and brought them to heaven. Or he could allow human history to come forth and Christ to come later. He chose the, the later. And sometimes we ask, why is it we're not saved and directly taken to heaven? I believe we're here because the choice was originally to know the knowledge of good and evil. God wants to make sure we get our fill of it before we get up there. This is what evil looks like. Have you had enough of it? This is what evil looks like. Have you seen enough of it? This is what evil looks like. So to the point that when the judgment comes, literally, we're all shouting in heaven, enough! Bring it only good now, Jesus. How many thought before when you read the book of Revelation, you're like, people are crazy, but I don't know if they're that crazy to deserve all that. But now you've watched some cities burn down. You've watched some violence. You've watched some corruption. You've seen some videos of North Korea concentration camps. You've watched some things going on in Islam when they behead people. And now you're like, come, Lord Jesus, come. We ready, Lord. Oh, yes, because God's judgment will be right even in our eyes, the Bible says. Sometimes we think on judgment day, we're going to have to hold back Jesus like he's the drunk uncle at the party. Come on now, Cousin Flacco or Uncle Flacco. Leave him alone. Come on now, Bob. It's over. It's over. Like we're going to have to hold back Jesus. Jesus, you just did all of this. Come on now. Don't strike the earth again with another bowl. Don't let another angel come. 
No, we'll be right behind them. Go, go get them, Jesus. Why? Because every nation, every tribe, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, every tongue, male and female, young and old, will be standing around his throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the one who is or the one who was and is and is to come. Worthy is the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world, who purchased us by his blood. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. I want to encourage everyone here as the band and altar workers come to be an evangelist, to preach and teach and to tell the world about Jesus, to not be ashamed of the truth. In closing, I want to give you an example I learned from another preacher. Some people think about Christianity as an optional upgrade to life. Like, you know what? I saved up. I'm getting the Royal Ranger, but they got a Royal Ranger package that has the sky roof. It has the the hand-stitched interior. And so that's what I'm going to contemplate over now. I saved up for the Royal, uh, the Royal Ranger, rather the Range Rover. I saved up for the Range Rover, the base model. Royal Rangers is a young person's Bible club we have here. Uh, I saved up for the Range Rover base model, but the salesman is telling me about that next level sunroof and hand-stitched interior. It's a close one. This is how people think about Christianity. Well, I'm a good person. My neighbor's a good person. The Muslim, the Hindu, they're all good persons. We're all going to heaven, but being a disciple of Christ is just a little bit better than being a good person. That's how people think about Christianity. I'm just going to be a little bit better. Be a little bit better. Is that how God looks at us without Christ? We're already going to heaven. We're already somewhat good people. All we need is just a little upgrade. We just need we just need a little bit of help here. We're about 90% there, and grace is just going to push us the extra 10%. The, the 10% we're lacking, grace is going to do that. No, as a matter of fact, that is the opposite of Christianity, and that is what every other religion believes. That's what Islam believes. Allah is going to push you a little bit further. Your works are going to be judged. Are you, are you more good or bad? That's exactly what Hinduism teaches with karma. As a matter of fact, all the major Christian cults from Jehovah Witnesses to Mormons all tack on that belief system. But what does Christianity teach? What did Jesus teach us? Unless a person is born again, they cannot inherit the kingdom of God. John chapter 3. Further on into John chapter 6, you are of your father the devil. You are not of God. And then by the time of John chapter 8, who the son sets free is free indeed. And a son will have a permanent place in the house of God. And I could back it up to John 1.1. 1, 1. It says those who believe in him, those he gave the right to become children of God. So if you follow the book of John, you see what Christianity looks like. Becoming a child of God by belief in John chapter 1. Being born again in John chapter 3. Not being a child of the devil in John chapter 6 or verse 8. But being a son of the house and being free. Is Christianity you doing something? No. Christianity is something being done in you. Christianity is something being birthed in you. Did I do anything the day I was born? 
No, my mom did all the pushing with the help of the doctor. That's how I came forth. Will you do anything of your own good works to save yourself when you're born again? No, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And you're saying, Pastor, why are you telling us that message? Because that's the message we need to remember as we preach to all the nations, as we preach to the world. We're not saying you got to do better to get off of that list. You just need to come to Jesus and believe the gospel. And then you'll get a correction and a rebuke and an encouragement. But it's by the power of God. Would you stand up with me, please? Raise up your hands in a spirit of prayer and honor to our Savior and say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. If you're not a Christian, mean it for the first time and watch what God will do. Confess your sins. But those who are already Christians, raise those hands up and say, Jesus, I surrender my life for your glory. In these perilous times, Jesus, make us prepared to be preachers, preachers of the gospel. If you need help in accepting Christ, you can come to one of these prayer workers. If you've been a Christian caught in sin and you want to get free from the junk, come on up. These prayer workers will help you. We'll close in prayer again after this worship song, but I want us to wait on the Lord here because we need to pray today for those who need to get saved or live saved. And lastly, if you need power from on high like the Holy Spirit gives, come to one of these prayer workers as we close out in singing don't go anywhere right now pray where you're at or pray up at front man would you help us we need to have God's presence let's let's enter his presence before we leave here one more time